Hello, everybody. This is this week's episode of Talking Sports with Evan. It is December 17th here on a Saturday, and it's a audio-only version of this week's show. Uh, and uh, we're Saturday show for Talking Sports with Evan. And thank you for those that are listening to this show. You can follow me on Twitter at Evan Witt Sports. And lots to discuss this week that have happened. The Wisconsin Badgers, uh, big news with the Badger program as Luke Fickle uh, continuing to wow um, Badger fans and whatnot as um, he is hitting the recruiting trail hard and he's getting a lot of recruits then. Example, um, he uh, took over and shortly after he took over, the recruiting ranking dropped down from 60s to 80. 384-ish, something like that. And since he took over, it's jumped quite a bit. And he uh, is doing a great job bringing guys in. And I think it's a combination of his scheme, his track record, the offense he is bringing in with their new offensive coordinator. And like today, for example, Nick Evers transferred from Oklahoma, who is a four-star recruit coming out of high school, a dual-threat quarterback, is coming to Wisconsin to compete for the starting job in 2023, and I don't think he is done yet at the quarterback position. We'll see what he does moving forward. Um, Since my last show, I did not do a show last week, but since my last show, Jim Leonard leaves. He's going to stay for the bowl game, the defensive coordinator for the bowl game, and then he's going to leave. Nobody knows where he's going yet, but I'm going to talk about that a little bit and uh, talk about what that might mean for Wisconsin with him leaving. Milwaukee Brewers have been active since my last show. Jesse Winker is now a Brewer. You might remember that name with when he was with the Cincinnati Reds. He seemed to be a Brewer killer, hit very, hit very well at American Family Insurance Field. Lots of home runs and... I'm interested to see what he brings to the Brewers as a potential pretty much almost everyday DH as his defense isn't that great, but he hits the ball really hard, hits the ball really well, and he might be an upgrade from Hunter Renfro. And no disrespect to Hunter Renfro, but Winker doesn't Winker doesn't strike out as much as Renfro did, and we'll see what he does. And Wilson uh, Contreras, not Wilson Contreras, Wilson Contreras went to um the Cardinals but his brother is now a Milwaukee Brewer and I think that's great news for the Milwaukee Brewers as they didn't really give up anything in order to get him and I will talk about that trade and another one they made um during today's show as well and what I expect to see the Brewers do next Packers-Bears. Packers beat the Bears, as I expected, as I predicted. And next, the Packers take on the Rams. I'm going to preview that game a little bit and give you who I think will win that game for the Packers and the Rams. And Jordan Love in the news this week as he had a 
uh, sit down interview for with uh, J- Jason Wildey of ESPN Wisconsin and Wisconsin State Journal and the Athletic. Had a sit down interview with Jordan Love and Jordan Love uh, made some comments that have a lot of people freaking out. Personally, I find freaking out for no reason, but nonetheless have a lot of people freaking out right now because they're worried about or wondering about what specifically he said, um, what specifically he said um, and how it could affect the um, Green Bay Packers uh, moving forward. So with that said, again, thank you so much for listening to this week's show. I hope you're all having a great weekend, great Saturday, or great day whenever you are listening to this show. I hope you are enjoying it and enjoying your day. Um, follow me on Twitter at Evan Witt Sports. Uh, you can find me there. You can tweet at me. Uh, let me know what you want to hear me talk about. Talking Sports with Evan on Facebook. And you can email me, Talking Sports with Evan at gmail.com. So we're starting with the Badgers and Luke Fickle. I think Luke Fickle has been a great hire thus far for the Wisconsin Badgers. As I mentioned, uh, recruiting-wise, they recruiting-wise, it was not looking that good um, for the Badgers early on. As shortly after Luke Fickle took over, they plummeted to the 80s in their rankings and recruiting rankings, and they're now up to 59th pretty much this week as they got uh, Braden Moore, athlete from Ohio, to commit to the Badgers. They got... Jones Dusalona, cornerback out of Florida, to commit to the Badgers, just to name two guys. They also got Christian Aliago to commit and Tucker Ashcraft, uh, tight end out of Seattle, to commit to the Badgers since uh, beginning of last week, pretty much. So great job by Wisconsin there. The commits went from 8 to 12 fairly quickly. And then with the Evers uh, commitment transfer from Oklahoma, their transfer rank jumped from in the hundreds to 83. And they're still pushing hard to try to bring bodies in to help this team. And Evan Flood, who covers the Badgers for 247 Sports, I believe it is, he tweeted out after the Evers commitment that he doesn't think, from people he's talked to, he doesn't think that Luke Fickle is done attacking the transfer portal. And I think defensive line is a big area that Fickle needs to hit as commitments have left and graduation. The Badgers are going to have some holes to fill on the defensive line. And Fickle did say when he first took over that the transfer portal will be used to work on improving the, um, you know, holes or gaps in the team. Um, Graham Mertz transferred out, looking like he's going to Kentucky. They have a bowl game coming up, the guaranteed rate bowl. What's going to happen at this bowl game is going to be the question. Uh, A lot of guys opting out either because of transfers or declaring for the NFL draft. And my opinion is this for simple, and the question is who's going to start a quarterback now. I think Miles Burkett should get the majority of the playing time, at least 90 to uh, 98% of the playing time. I give that because if you want to reward Chase Wolf for his commitment to the program, fighting through injuries, sticking around when he knew he wasn't going to get a chance to start with Graham Mertz at the helm, 
If you want to reward him with the start, I'm perfectly fine with that. But I think you got to get Miles Burkett the majority of the playing time, see what you have in the true freshman, because it can be a pretty good quarterback battle next year with Burkett, um, quarterback uh, from Franklin, Wisconsin, with uh, Cole LaCroix, three-star quarterback athlete out of Colorado who's sticking around with Wisconsin after the coaching change with Evers coming in from Oklahoma, and then anybody else you might bring in at the quarterback position, it could be a great battle at the quarterback spot next year for Wisconsin. Competition they have not had since Graham Mertz became the starter. Um, pretty much there's been no competition since then. So I think you need to start Burkett. You need to give him the majority of the playing time uh, in the bowl game and just kind of see what he can do, what he has, and how he handles uh, the playing time and seeing if he can... Uh, be a contender for the quarterback spot next year to start as a redshirt freshman. Evers could beat him out in fall camp or spring uh, spring camp and summer camp, but I think you got to see what Burkett has as the potential Wisconsin Badger quarterback. And I think part of the reason why you're seeing this influx of talent uh, come to Wisconsin is the fact that Ficko brought in uh, – uh, Tresso, his defensive coordinator, one of his co-defensive coordinators in Cincinnati, and his recruiting guys pretty much with him immediately and have hit the, had them out on the recruiting trail, hitting the recruiting trail hard. And guys who committed to Cincinnati who want to play for Fickle, um, probably in the mix too, to come to Wisconsin. And it'd be interesting to see the offensive coordinator, Phil Lungo. Um, he has elements of the air raid to him. Uh, Quarterback receivers might want to stick around here. Uh, Marcus Allen, uh, not the running back Marcus Allen, but Marcus Allen, wide receiver for Wisconsin, entered the transfer portal shortly after Paul Chris got let go. He removed his name from the transfer portal, and he is sticking around Wisconsin because he's excited, I think, about what the offense could be. Braylon Allen basically ended all rumors of him uh, leaving He's sticking around Wisconsin as well. And I read a couple articles in The Athletic from Jesse Temple talking about the new offensive coordinator and guys who played with him. He plays to the player's strengths. He doesn't overcomplicate things. If he has a mobile quarterback, he'll use those to his advantages. If he has a pocket passer, he'll make the offense fit around the pocket passer. If he has a quarterback that can't really throw but is accurate doing underneath stuff, he'll modify the offense to that. He's used mobile quarterbacks, pocket passers, um, accurate passers. You can't throw the ball, the deep ball at all. He, he's done it all during his coaching career from the articles I read in The Athletic from Jesse Temple, and players seem to like him, and they like playing with his offense, and the air raid uh, puts up great numbers for wide receivers and quarterbacks. And you look at the offense he ran in North Carolina, North Carolina's offense was really good. They put up great numbers, and the quarterback put up great numbers they have out there as well. I know win-loss record-wise didn't really show it too much, but very explosive offense in, in North Carolina. Hopefully they can do the same here at Wisconsin, and uh, hopefully Fickle stays true to the roots of the program and modifies it with this new offense as well and mixes it together. Defensively, Cincinnati ran more of a 3-3-5 Wisconsin base was more of a 3-4 with a lot of nickel. So we'll see how that adapts to what the new defensive coordinators are going to do at Wisconsin. But I'm excited. I'm happy 
Fickle is looking like a great coach, a great addition so far to this Badger program. And we'll see once the pads come on in the bowl game how this team looks. I know they're going to be doing a lot of Paul Chris stuff, I guess would be the best way to say it, in, in the bowl game. But Fickle is going to be more, you know, being the head coach and letting his assistants pretty much do the do everything. But it'd be interesting to see how they prepare for Oklahoma State for the guaranteed rate ball. And Oklahoma State's going to have a new quarterback too, as their starting quarterback this season entered the transfer transfer portal as well for the Wisconsin for the Oklahoma State Cowboys. So Oklahoma State Cowboys, Wisconsin Badgers, guaranteed rate bowl coming up uh, fairly soon. And hopefully Wisconsin can win that bowl game and build some momentum into the 2023 season, the first under Luke Fickle. Jim Leonard. So lots of weird things around Jim Leonard. First, it appeared he was going to get the head coaching job. He doesn't. Then it looks like he's going to stick around and be the defensive coordinator. That doesn't happen. Now he's sticking around to the bowl game, coach the the defense in the bowl game, and then he's leaving. What's next for Jim Leonard? And to be honest, I think anything he wants. He's a very hot top hot name right now in football. NFL teams are going to be hiring new coaching staffs in a few weeks once the 2022 regular season's over. For the teams that missed out on the playoffs, they're going to be looking to hire uh, new staffs, and he might be a name that pops up. College staffs are going to be filling up pretty soon, too, after the bowl games are over. Uh, Guys might leave to go to the NFL or new jobs. Uh, They might bring him in. Illinois lost their defensive coordinator to the uh, to Purdue, so maybe Leonard squeezes in there. Baylor needs a new defensive coordinator, I believe. So Dave Aranda coached uh, uh, was a, a defensive coordinator in Leonard's first year as a coach at Wisconsin. Maybe that's an option. And heck, maybe the Packers' job opens up and he decides to take it this time. And I had a good comment on Facebook from uh, from a friend of mine, Atlason, who was commenting that the Packers fans pretty much ran um, Mike Pettin out of town, and Leonard kind of runs a similar defense to Mike Pettin. You know, what's going to be different uh, this go-around? Like, you know, like it's going to be, you know, it's going to be the defense we all wanted gone a few years back. And I think the difference is the fact that Leonard... So I don't hate the scheme. I don't hate the scheme, the Pettin quote scheme. It's a good scheme. What I didn't like about Mike Pettin is he didn't run it aggressive. He played it really soft and didn't attack, didn't do much in regards to trying to put pressure on the quarterback. Typically when you do a 3-4 defense, you want to put pressure on the quarterback to make the quarterback uncomfortable and make him rush throws and you get turnovers. He did pretty well in year one, and then he kind of fell apart from there. Um pretty much fell apart from there. So I uh, <laughs> I don't hate the scheme, but I think with Leonard, you're going to get a guy who's going to play to the player's strengths, play to, their, play to what they do well, and he's going to be more aggressive about it, and I think that's what Leonard would bring you. It's a big jump to go to college coordinator to the NFL coordinator, but I think Leonard's somebody that can do it. But I'd be curious to see if the Packers do decide to give him another chance for that position. I mentioned the Milwaukee Brewers a little bit. I'm happy with the moves they've made. Uh, 
I hate to see Colton Wong leave. I was a big Hunter Renfro fan uh, in the 2022 baseball season, but I'm not upset that they traded either of them. I think they second base is a question mark now without Colton. But I think with Jesse Winker, you add a guy who gets on base more, who can hit for power just like Renfro, and he strikes out less. Um, he's a 270-ish career hitter, had a down year in Seattle, I think, in between injuries and not being happy he got traded from the Reds to Seattle, I think played a lot to do with his production. Uh, Seattle's a tough stadium to hit in as it's more of a pitcher's park. American Family Field, he's a left-handed hitter. He's going to have a short porch in right field that balls that uh, hung in the ballpark in Seattle should leave the the stadium pretty easily in American Family Field. And like I said, he doesn't strike out as much and he gets on base more than Hunter Renfro did. I know both of them have question marks uh, in regards to their locker, you know, their personality and if they are difficult to deal with as Renfro's played on five different teams in five seasons and a lot of negativity came out about Winker in Seattle, but I think we'll see what happens in both players' new situations. Renfro in LA playing for the Angels and Winker not playing for the Brewers. So we'll see what happens. And he, uh, I think you could say he's a bit, probably a bit of an assurance, uh, uh, insurance piece if the young guys don't develop the way they're hoping. Um, I'm, I'm sure they're hoping Garrett Mitchell builds off his success last year and runs with that center field job. And then you have uh, Freelick and Weimer who could potentially get chances at the big league level. If those guys don't work out, then you have a veteran there that can potentially, um, you could play more. And I know Yelich and Winker pretty much play the same position in the field, but you can DH one of them and you got a big, uh, a more uh, veteran bat in the lineup with Winker. So I like that move. So they save money too, which is important, especially if they want to do any kind of uh, extensions with really Adamus or Corbin Burns or, or Brandon Woodruff. And they also trade basically nothing. No disrespect to Ruiz, who came over in the Josh Hader trade. They traded Ruiz to the Athletics, and they get William Contreras, the 2022 All-Star DH, um, who also plays catcher. They get him from the Braves in this trade. And like I said, the Brewers didn't really give up anything whatsoever to bring in William Contreras, who's 25, 24, 25, and he's under team control for quite some time moving forward. I think 2027 is... Um, they have control until 2027. So great job by the Brewers there. Matt Arnold uh, isn't spending a lot of money in free agency, but he's bringing guys in via the trade, and he's strengthening the team. Contreras is a guy that gets on base. Previously mentioned Winker, he gets on base. And it'd be interesting to see what the Brewers do next, which I think will be attempting to extend either Willie Adamas, who needs to hit better in 2023, and when I mentioned he needs to hit better, yes, I know he set the franchise record for home runs by a shortstop, but I just mean he needs to hit better average. He was like 220 or something like that on the 2022 season. I know batting average isn't the end-all, be-all anymore, and people tend to ignore it. It's about getting on base, but he struck out a lot too. He struck out a lot, didn't uh, do 
a ton uh, from time to time when he needed to hit for clutch. Uh, yes, he was their best clutch hitter, but too often he would strike out in key situations, uh, kind of just flare the bat there. So as I mentioned, Adamas just needs to get more on base, uh, get better contact, more consistency and consistently. And that 30 plus home runs could turn into 40 plus home runs. If he continue, if he, uh, swings the bat a little bit better in 2023 that could be one avenue the brewers do um with the extra money they have with trading wong and uh went renfro and having other guys leave the books or there's always corbin burns which i don't think they have a shot to resign to extend uh he's looking at the money being thrown around to pitchers with his age and his uh long-term ability i think he's going to end up uh making a lot of money as a free agent but Woody is the guy who I would attempt to give a new contract to because you know you can't re-sign Burns. You keep Burns until he's a free agent or you keep him until the trade deadline before he becomes a free agent. And if you aren't in the playoff push, then you can try to trade him. You can try to move him and see what transpires from that. But that's what I'm interested to see in the, the what the Brewers do moving forward with the extra money they have. And they haven't really, as I mentioned, they haven't really spent any money um, free agent wise. And yes, you can argue it's because they're cheap and the owner doesn't care about putting good product on the field, which I don't think is accurate at all because they've had a winning record pretty much since 2017, aside from the COVID year. And they made the playoffs in 2018, 19, 2020 and 2021. Unfortunately, they haven't had the horses to get over the hump and win uh playoff series since 2028, I mean 2018 when they went to the NLCS. They haven't won a playoff series since, but I I don't think it's because the owner's cheap per se. I think it's unfortunate that guys who you depended on all season long didn't produce and I don't think the Brewers are going to spend a lot of money moving forward uh, this uh, rest of this offseason. But I think they're going to be smart with, I should say money on free agents. Um, but I think they're going to be smart with trying to get guys some extensions uh, prior to arbitration. I think that's what they're going to be looking to try to do um, as a team. And the Milwaukee Brewers payroll currently sits at, give me a second for it to open up, projected payroll for 2023 is 112 a million dollars um the brewers tend to don't want to go too much over that or too much over 130 million and when you're going up against uh, baseball payrolls where you have a lot of money being spent uh, by the mets and the dodgers and the yankees and the red sox and all those other teams um you're gonna have a hard time competing so you got to be smart with the money you spend because a team like the Mets, who have a payroll of $335 million estimated for 2023, they can afford that because if somebody doesn't work out, they can just throw more money at it and see what happens. The Yankees at 270 after bringing Aaron Judge back. The Padres at 235. The Phillies at 230. The Dodgers at 173 are 10th currently. And the Brewers are 112. And I don't think they really want to go over um, 130. For their payroll if they can avoid it especially they have a lot of potential uh they have a lot of potential guys they have to pay in arbitration this year too um but be curious to see what the brewers do next 
the Packers beat the Bears. No surprise to anybody. The how difficult it was, I think, was more of a surprise. But the Packers came back down nine in the fourth quarter to get the victory. And I guess the important question, I put it out on Twitter because I'm seeing a lot of these message boards on Facebook and on Twitter comments and Twitter tweets and all that about that they don't want the the Packers to continue to win because it's going to hurt their draft status. I personally want them in the playoffs. And yes, I know. They're not going to get a, as good of a draft pick if they're picking 20 to 32 rather than 1 through 15. I get that. I understand that. But the thing is, you you play to win, as Herm, Edwards, Herm Edwards would say. You play to win the game. And I want to see the Packers win enough to potentially make the playoffs. Um, I don't understand why you want to see them lose. I don't ever want to see my team lose. Um, even when the Bucks were at 15-win season, when they were in tank mode for Jabari Parker, I understood what they were doing. But I think in basketball, if you can get a top three pick, you're more likely to hit on a guy than it is in the NFL. And it's all about you know developing the player once you have them in your program. I think with the Packers, I think it's important to continue to fight and try to win these games personally because hopefully you can build off something into 2023 and I know the roster is going to be totally different. But again, I want to see my team win. I don't want to see them tank for draft picks. Uh, I want to see them win games and make the playoffs. And I know the defense isn't very good. And I know if you make the playoffs and you win in the playoffs, you improve the likelihood of your uh, you improve the likelihood of uh, Joe Barry coming back to be your defensive coordinator which I don't want to see, but at the same time, I also don't want to see my team lose. I guess the one thing I won't be too upset if they lose is Joe Barry won't be around, but I could care less about draft picks. I, I you know, I get that's how you got to build your team, but I, I, I feel winning is more important. I could be wrong, and I'm sure I'm going to be called an idiot by a lot of people for me saying that, but I feel winning is more important, especially in the NFL, than it is tanking for draft picks. This isn't the NBA. You're not going to completely turn around your team with one draft choice. Um, if you get a the fifth pick instead of the 25th pick, you know that fifth pick's not going to completely turn around your team. Look at the teams that traditionally draft in the top 10. It's pretty much the same teams every year, and it doesn't improve their team at all because typically they make the wrong moves and they struggle. I'd rather have my Packers. My my. I'd rather have the Packers draft in the 25 to 32 range and compete for that Super Bowl every year. That's just my personal opinion there. But I don't tell you how to fan. I don't I don't want you to, you know, fan how you want to fan. Fans that are just negative all the time for the purpose of being negative, I don't like those types of fans. Um, but fan how you want to fan. You're a fan. You don't work for the team. I don't work for the team. I fan how I fan. I want you to be a fan how you want to be a fan. Um, but Packers-Rams coming up should be a Packer win, too. The Rams seem to be a team that's pretty much checked out. I know they might have gotten a little bit of motivation or whatever after signing Baker Mayfield. And, you know, at least they now have a quarterback that's competent after Stafford is out for the year with a head and neck injury. I think the Baker wants to show the Rams that he can be a starting quarterback for them moving forward. If Matt Stafford is unable to continue his NFL career, 
after his head and neck injury. You know, his his career's up in the air. And Baker, this is his last chance to lock on with a team. He failed in in uh, in Cleveland. He failed in Carolina. He needs to have success in in L.A. if he wants to continue his NFL career as a starter. And he's treating this as an audition for the 2023 season, either with the Rams or with another potential playoff caliber team. And the Rams are finding out the hard way why you don't want to trade draft picks all the time for veteran players because you don't have any depth because you traded off the, the things you use to build the depth on your team. You traded them all away for an Odell Beckham, who likely going to sign with the Cowboys, for Jalen Ramsey, who you then give a huge contract to, for Von Miller, for Matthew Stafford. And I get the Rams aren't going to get... They won the Super Bowl. They got the ultimate prize. They got their goal. But this year, they're finding out the hard way what happens when you're a team that's hit hard by injuries and you don't have any depth anywhere. Cooper Cup's out. Stafford's out. Um, they're finding out Aaron Donald missed, I think, the last game of the year. Uh, last game, this most re- I'm sorry, the most recent game, I think Donald missed. I don't know what his status is for this Monday night. But when you have all these injuries, you don't have any anybody uh, on the depth chart that can fill in for them adequately. And you're finding out the hard way that it's sometimes nice to have those draft picks. And you know, because you, you can bring in guys that can help you in this current situation. And again, I know the Rams will take nothing back. They they won the Super Bowl. Matthew Stafford came in, gave up a ton of draft picks for him, maybe overpaid for him, but ultimately they held the Lombardi Trophy at the end of the 2021 um, NFL football season. That's what that's what you want to do, and that's what they did. So, but I think the Packers beat the Rams. The Rams have a lot of injuries. They can't run the ball. They struggle. Stopping the deep ball. They, the Packers have Romeo Dobbs coming back. Rodgers seems healthy for the first time since he got hurt. His thumb in London. He says the ribs feel good. The thumb feels good. He hasn't had it taped all week long. And like I said, the Rams can't run the ball. The Packers struggle to stop the run, but the Rams can't run. And so they're going to probably throw the ball a lot. And hopefully the Packers can make get us some interceptions from Baker and make him pay. Like Christmas Day... Last year, I think Baker threw four interceptions against the Packers with the Browns. Hopefully, that's what that's the Baker we see, and not the one that almost brought the uh, the Browns back in last year's Christmas. And finally, the Milwaukee Bucks. And I want to bring up the Milwaukee Bucks. And I was chit chatting back and forth with a friend of mine on Facebook, and uh, you know, him and I disagree a lot on our sports takes. And I get called a you know toy in the company line when I give my opinions on things, and. I don't think it's me towing the company line. It's, I have a different opinion, and you have you have your opinion. I have mine, but he he comments to me how after the Bucks get totally embarrassed by the Memphis Grizzlies, I have to admit that the Grizzlies and the uh, Boston are just better teams than the Bucks. It's clear as night and day that they're just a the better team. And I don't agree with that. I, I don't agree that Memphis is the better team than the Bucks or the Celtics are. Memphis was the better team Thursday night. They were the much better team Thursday night. The Bucks unfortunately couldn't score. They couldn't score. They couldn't make baskets if their life depended on it. Middleton probably played his worst game in quite some time. 
Um, Giannis struggled from the floor, and he's been struggling shooting field goals if it's not layups or dunks for the past few games now. And his free throws are swinging back in the bad side of things after looking like it was corrected. But the, I'm not going to say Memphis is a better team than the Bucks. They were the better team Thursday night. I still think the Bucks get them in a best-of-seven series, and the only way the Bucks are going to see the Grizzlies in a best-of-seven series if, it's, if both teams make the NBA Finals. Boston, I don't really know what Boston is. Defensively, they're ninth in the NBA right now in defensive rating. Um, Bucks are currently second in the NBA. They were first going into the Memphis game. They're a uh, defensive rating of 106.5 going into the Memphis game. Now they're at 107.8. And the Bucks aren't a bad defensive team. They just played a bad de- they just played defense bad um the other night against Memphis. They didn't lose the Memphis on yeah. Sorry, they didn't and they lost to Houston, but they didn't lose to Houston because their defense played bad. They lost to Houston because they couldn't score in the fourth quarter. That's where the Bucks lost to Houston. The Bucks are still figuring things out, dealing with in- injury and illness and trying to get things out, figured out. But the good news is Joe Ingles looking like he's going to be back uh, possibly as early as Monday against the Pelicans. That's going to be huge. He's a, a quality defender who can shoot the three. He's going to bring a lot of help to this team. Middleton, hopefully he's missing tonight's game, but hopefully he continues to improve and get better each and every week. That's something we can all hope to see. So we get to Middleton of the old and, you know, Middleton's struggling. Um, and he's not, he's not the, he's not a great ball handler, but he's usually pretty decent at not turning it over a lot. Um, but I know he had I think two turnovers last game, um, bad turnovers at that and a bad flagrant foul. But ultimately I, I just, uh, I'm not going to call Middleton a bad player. He had a bad game. The Bucks don't win the NBA Finals two years ago without Chris Middleton. They don't get to the NBA Finals two years ago without Chris Middleton. And I think the Bucks get to the NBA Finals last year with Chris Middleton. So I'm not going to throw Middleton away and call him a bad player just because he's had a bad game or two. We He needs, needs to continue to get comfortable out there and hopefully the stop starts stop. And then it looks like we're going to have Drew Holiday back tonight against the Utah Jazz, which... The defense just plays much better with Drew Holiday on the court. And I think one of the biggest reasons the Bucks defense struggled so much against Memphis is they couldn't make a shot. The Grizzlies were able to get the re- defensive rebound. And then you're putting the Bucks in tr- the defense in transition pretty quickly. And the Bucks have to that the Bucks can't get their defense set because now they have to run back down and try to defend. The Bucks offense needs to do better. If the Bucks offense can do better, um, I think the Bucks can be a much better team than they currently are. The Bucks offensive rating, I'm going to pull it up really quick. Offensively, my computer's being slow. Bear with me. Bucks are currently 17th in the NBA. In offensive rating, they're currently 17th in the NBA at 111.7. And defensive rating, they're currently second in the NBA at 
um, for their defensive rating. Net rating, 3.3, and that's because of the offense. That's why they're seventh in the NBA in net rating. Their offense needs to get better. If they start making shots more efficiently and they're able to get back on their defense, they're they're fine defensively. The Bucks are a fine defensive team, you know, I, I feel, no matter what. So with that said, follow me on Twitter at Evan Witt Sports. You can email me, Talking Sports with Evan, uh, at gmail.com or find me on Facebook, Talking Sports with Evan. Until next week, I hope you all have a great rest of your weekend, a great week, and I'll be back with you next week. Day to be determined, likely video uh, for that show. With that said, enjoy the rest of your day, everybody.